This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and that Australia as a country has never come to terms with what we as a country did to the people who were present when we invaded their lands. We have never done any reconciliation. We reject any efforts to try and address what occurred, just even to acknowledge what occurred, let alone to try and make amends for it. So we acknowledge that that is the state of play as we approach another survival day. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 117 for Sunday 26th of January 2020. I'm Jeremy Sear and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. And tonight's guest host is returning guest host Cam Smith. Welcome back Cam. Hi Jeremy, how are you? You're fired up, I can tell. I'm actually, I'm actually exhausted. I spent the day uh, looking at uh, model... We, we went all the way down to Geelong on the train to look at model trains with uh, a toddler and a baby. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, well, look, she was pretty excited by the trains, it must be said. Yeah. I um, I was like, why is this welcome to country so intense? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It is January 26th. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and it'll be... And although the... I, I have enjoyed the... And when I say enjoyed being... I mean, like being appalled and... Um, Gold? When something when you find something galling, is are you being galled by? It? But anyway, by the conservative media being like, "Hey, you know those bushfires that we refuse to do anything about? Oh, I see they've distracted you from raising, you know, the maybe we shouldn't be claiming to celebrate Australia on a day that symbolises, you know, invasion and genocide." Huh? You seem to have forgotten about it because of those fires where, due to our policies, you can't breathe in cities anymore. <laughs> sucked in, left yeah, it. clearly wasn't that important, was it? <laughs> That's right. Like, if you were genuinely committed, it wouldn't matter how hard you were fighting to breathe, you'd be having a go so that we could, like, fire up the culture warriors. I did notice you did forget one thing in that uh, recognition. Uh-huh. Uh, you didn't recognise our diggers and the sacrifices they've made. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't. Do you remember? Do you remember when Smoko did that in in a Welcome to Country? That's right. He chucked that in at the end, didn't he? What are <laughs> the oppressed diggers? Um, which, of course, uh, look. Uh, maybe we'll go backwards to the uh, the horrendous uh, religious discrimination privilege stuff because uh, one thing I do need to flag this week is that. Uh, you only have until next Friday to get in your submissions. So even if you're going to just write something short, even if it's just a few paragraphs, fired up paragraphs, whatever, please make that submission uh, so that there is a record because you can be damn sure that the fundamentalists who want to uh, control your life and have massive powers over you, because uh, it's not a fight for freedom, freedom of speech for the rest of us. It's just a fight for them to be able to dictate to us and harass us. Um if you don't want that to be the case, you've got until next Friday to do it. So 
please don't miss that deadline. That's the end of January 31st. So yes, you're raising the diggers, uh, which of course brings us back to standard culture war target of the Oz, Yasmin Abdul-Magid. The uh, Oz's response to its previous calls to stop bullying people, its, its decision this week to harass somebody who dared ever be critical or, or call Australians to hold off on a minute for a minute from the praise of the diggers to remember the horrible shit that we're doing. This week she got a grant to do some arts work in Paris and so of course that's fired up the racist... It's Look, Cam, it's fired up uh, Amanda Vanstone. Amanda Vanstone's very outraged at the idea of public money going to support uh, somebody in some kind of luxurious lifestyle overseas. <laughs> like, you know, if anyone knows about that, it's Amanda Vanstone. Yeah, I didn't know if she was the the best culture warrior for the job, but maybe she was all they had handy. It's it's bonkers, isn't it? Because like, the, the, let's. I guess the connection to to Invasion Day is this is the point at which the conservatives are like, like, ah, it's the past. You've got to move on from the past. Stop talking about the past. I mean, we never acknowledge that past. We're not intending to acknowledge the past. We just deny it whenever it comes up, uh, and we just we just want you to forget it and move on. But that's the past. But then in like three months, Cam, it'll be you know Anzac Day, and it'll be like. We must honour the past! Yeah, and also, I mean, besides honouring the past, when was her thing? 2017, and they're, it's, they're still doing shit about it. I wasn't even older than further back. But so if nobody quite remembers what what the fight up the culture war is um, about Yasmin, apart from that she's, like, uh, she was a, a Muslim woman who was prominent on the ABC, so clearly a person they must destroy. But she put made a Facebook post basically saying, for, on Anzac Day, basically saying, lest we forget, what was it, Manus... Nauru. Nauru. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's it. It was just using the terminology for Anzac Day about let's not forget the horrifying things that we're doing, which seems to me to be an entirely legitimate thing to say. She deleted it and apologised. She shouldn't have even done that. No. Not like the concern. Not like the libs, you know, apologise when they're massively rorting huge money out of... Do you know what? I'm not really following a running sheet in any rational way tonight. I'm lunging all over the place. Sports rorts! Anyway, it's not like they apologise for that. No. But apparently we have to apologise for, like, using the words lest we forget about other atrocities that Australia is committing. Well, she, she deviated from the official list of things we're allowed to remember. <laughs> And of course, I I love that they talk about political, like the the right wing critique of lefties being like, hey, you know, let's treat people with compassion and respect. And they're like, political correctness gone mad. But yes, you can't even use the phrase lest we forget about something that maybe we shouldn't forget without drawing their ire and their relentless ire that will never die down. And also for tomorrow, for like you're hearing this on Australia Day, but we're recording it on Saturday. Well, tomorrow, like, the government has this list of approved outfits you can wear. <laughs> like, I mean, how... If you want to talk political correctness, a government dictating what you can bloody wear. Exactly. Yeah, lest we forget uh, taking donations from the mafia and then giving them visas. <laughs> That's what I'd say to Amanda Vanstone. It's weird. There's so many things that the Libs would like us to forget this week. Let's come back to sports rorts and work backwards. The, 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 the Asmund thing reminded me of, because obviously where you raised that was in the context originally, in the running sheet, of the Oz immediately going to bully her as soon as they found out about her grant. But moments before that, they were busy decrying social media bullying the young uh, LNP fundamentalist gay person who stormed a drag queen story time in Brisbane. And, I mean... The, the astonishing attempts to rewrite it. They really are shameless conservatives at the moment. Like they, they will just shamelessly lie about what the footage says. Scummo will be like, I didn't say that two people, that nobody had died. I was just talking about volunteer firefighters. And it's like, we can see the footage. And like the ACL are out there being like, no, they didn't storm that 
dragged Queen story time and yell abuse and 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 you know uh, shout and scream and be intimidating and harass people. And we're like, we can see the footage. It's there. We know what they did. We watched it. Yeah. So the other weird thing about that though is not only did they take for about five seconds to do a full 180 on whether bullying was okay when as soon as Yasmin came back up on the day of that young man's funeral there was a story in the Australian accusing him of uh, branch stacking they were like just back back straight on their factional bullshit having a go at him oh I didn't see that yeah and keep in mind so we, none of us know what uh, Gavin Wilson's family oh Wilson Gavin put up a nice uh, thing basically saying we support LGBTI people and I think the real issue is people who use somebody for their purposes and then chuck them aside and like because the line that, that Gavin Wilson committed suicide because of he was being harassed by uh, Jeremy Wilson Gavin the, the, the line that people with reversible names that whoever he, that he committed suicide because he was being harassed online doesn't hold water because he was a guy who was deliberately trolling lefties for years. Like this is not the, like that wasn't anything new. It was a thing. Like, you, you, did you see some of the footage that came up of him uh, on uh, during the marriage equality thing, where he's like celebrating uh, the idea that he can uh, attack LGBTI people fighting for equality before the law, but, and they can't call him a homophobe because he's gay. Eh? Um, and yeah, he was being a troll for a long time. It looks like the, the, I mean, the big thing that changed was that in this instance, he went too far and the LNP dis- disavowed him. Mm. They, they, Ethan hooked him. They were like, we've got no knowledge of your existence and as far as we're concerned, uh, you don't exist. Um, was that, did that Mission Impossible reference work? Did that, I don't really know. Uh, it did when well. you explained that it was did Mission I get Impossible. Right? Was the character right? Is, was the, is that even the character's name? I don't know. Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hawke is an actor. Oh, God damn it. So I didn't get it right. Anyway, yeah. look, so I did find it confusing, but I assumed that Ethan Hawke had been in some sort of spy film. Probably. Look, it's okay. Let's pretend it was a Gattaca reference, somehow. Hmm. Oh no, that's probably was he even in that? Ethan Hawke's the one from Dead. Anyway, this is not what this podcast. Before about. sunrise. The point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is, uh, yes, the the libs. Like, they went so far that until the point where they were where there was a suicide involved and somebody had to switch their um, their approach a little bit. Uh, the it was so obviously a, a heinous act of bullying and harassment and, and like just the footage you can watch the footage they were they were horrible they were harassing parents and kids who were there to have a story and being really abusive to the the poor drag queen reading the stories like it was really horrible but the yeah the fundamental thing that happened was that he'd gone so far that the, the libs had actually said no these people don't they're not they're not part of our party they don't speak for us uh, and yeah I mean I, I can understand that somebody and I'm just I don't know the guy, but yes, if, if you were a young liberal and you had it, hopes of a political career, uh, to have your party disavow you and say, you, we don't even know who you are and we, as far as we're concerned, you're not one of us, I guess that would have been pretty shattering. Yeah, I mean, uh, leaving him aside and that the specific incident, like this general, because I, I don't know, did you see that the, uh, was it the ACL did another library thing in Melbourne last week? Yeah, yeah, and I noticed that in the footage, um, the woman who was organising it, they didn't say that she was like an ACL spokesperson crank. Like, she is, because I've seen the emails, because I still get the ACL emails. Yeah, that's right, they went there to harass people. And then the, the, the parents this time were a bit more organised and came out, basically. We love Back at the, at the fundies who were out there trying to, trying to bully them and their kids. And, the, and they didn't get to come into the library either. The fundies didn't, they, the library stopped them coming in, unlike what happened in Brisbane. Yeah, what I thought, what I think is interesting about the fact that like the ACL are embracing this tactic is, you know, what the 
these kids were doing in Queensland is replicating something that's been done in the States. And the people who are doing it in the United States are Nazis. <laughs> like, they're, they're groipers. They're, they have very extreme beliefs, but the ACL are, are seeming to take that tactic on. Which is, you know, well, we've seen we've seen the footage of we've seen the footage of of Lyle with those neo Nazis. Yeah, Lyle was a. I think Lyle took a did a photo of some Proud Boys the other day. Well, wow. also the other thing I was looking at. Oh, Lyle was um retweeting Dave Pello last week on this very issue. Who Dave Pello had uh, brought out, you know, a bunch of those right wing grifters over the last few years, and had groups like the Lad Society providing security, like actual neo Nazis. Providing security as events, I just thought it was interesting that a, the mask seems to be slipping there a little bit. Well, it was never it was never on all that firmly. Look, the, I guess the one of the big things that they want to do, um, like the, the, you know, the classic old style ACL, you know, harassing people, is outside abortion clinics, and currently they can't do that in Victoria, and they they appealed it through to the High Court, and the High Court said no, the Victorian government can protect people by putting in restrictions, so you can't just harass women outside those going into those clinics. But what if there was a uh, religious protection bill? Yeah, so one of the things that's very that, that the new bill that Morrison is proposing seems to do is to override those laws protecting people um, and give fundamentalists the opportunity to basically just do whatever the hell they like. And, you know, that includes harassing you at your house if they want, like... It's a huge power grab. It is every part of it. And, and I like that they, and when I say I like, I mean I am horrified by it. They went away after the first draft and everybody was like, holy shit, you're giving these people enormous powers over the rest of us. How is that okay? And they went away and be like, yep, yeah, no. We did get it wrong. We, there are some amendments that are required. And so they came back and made it worse. Like, yeah. the second draft gives them even more powers to just harass and bully the rest of us. It is utterly deranged. Mm. And it is the sort of thing that they are really committed... Like, they are committed to doing whatever... I, I, I've said before, Cam, and I don't know if I've said it in an episode with you, but I, I do feel like a fundamental part of what motivates people like Morrison or Dutton or any any... Like, a large part of the LNP is simply... Does this policy really upset lefties or not? Mm. And that's what I want to do. And they know this will really upset. I mean, it should upset everybody, but they don't really upset lefties. So I think they're pretty committed to it. It's also like fundamentally giving themselves extra powers to harass the rest of us. So it's like deep down really important to them. So yeah, if you don't get your submissions in, uh, then you have certainly not even done the bare minimum of trying to resist this horrific bill um, coming through. Have you done a submission yet, Cam? The uh- 2020 is the year of not calling out your mates, Jeremy. No, no, actually, it's not. I'll get. I'll get. I'll, I have until. <laughs> I have until Friday. Mm-hmm. So, so everybody, uh, do check out at Sexenheimer to see when Cam tweets uh, that he has in fact actually made that submission, and uh, maybe even gives you a link to to the site to prove that he's done it and to show oh, how to find him. How to, how to do it yourself? <laughs> Can't believe I'm getting called out. But in a supportive uh, way. In a, in a way that's like, I, I know that you have good things to say and I'm just encouraging you to say them. What about calling me in? Um, <laughs> where's the opposition on this? This seems like a slam dunk. Uh-huh. And, that's, and that's the other thing. And so, like, there's so much... So, okay. The ALP are trying to have, like, everything this week, <laughs> this week, forever, trying to walk both sides of the street. So, we'll get we'll get onto their, their ludicrous January 26th and we should have children saying the Pledge of Allegiance, Pledge of Allegiance to Australia. Crap in a sec. But, yeah, no, on this one, they are specifically... they 
Albo has not met with any of the LGBTI groups. He has met with the fundamentalist church groups. <laughs> when, you, when you call out one of the Labour brokens on Twitter, they're like, look, here's Labour meeting with the LGBTI groups and it's Mark Dreyfus, but not the leader, which says something pretty clear. Um, it's really scary. And, and the problem is that even if Labour does come into line at the end, it's too late because they haven't been calling it... Like, you can't pretend that it's okay for almost the entire time it's in the public consciousness and then turn around at the end and be like, no, mm. we're not sure about this bit. And, like, they... Do they know how arguments... Look, as we've said before, ape the Liberals. The Liberals know how to win go- government. But I don't aim their policies, ape their tactics. They don't adopt your policies to win government. They don't fold. They don't go, mm, yeah, you're right. I guess we should stop bashing unions. Um, I, 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 guess, I guess we should have a carbon price. Or I guess we should adequately pu- fund public services. No, they argue against it the whole way. They bash you. They, they run their lines consistently, and that sinks in. Whereas you go... Maybe we should should adopt their policies and argue for them and give them cover because that will help us politically somehow. It doesn't make any sense. And it never works. Well, it's, I mean, it's just this cowardice of thinking, oh, we're going to get wedged on some religious thing. You know, they'll turn the Christians yeah. against us or whatever. If you come out and say quite clearly what's wrong with this bill, you can get around that. It's because they don't want to... They're afraid of arguing. Yeah. They don't want to make a point. They don't want to argue a case. Which, which case, why be there? What's the point of being in politics if you're afraid to argue a political perspective? I don't know. I just don't know. And the thing is that by arguing, they don't. In fact, they they, they are they they will run. I I am wrong. They do run arguments. <laughs> they run the liberals' arguments. Ablo's out there going, Australian coal is necessary because our coal is cleaner. And you know, if they don't, if we don't sell it, then they'll burn somehow dirtier coal. And that'll be worse. They'll burn that filthy coal. Mm. And that is also why Australia should export heroin. Exactly. If we don't export our high-quality heroin, they'll get their heroin somewhere else. That's why we need to sell, sell arms to, you know, oppressive nations. Yeah. Because I mean, they're just going to get them from somewhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, we might as well. Like, this clean coal thing is bullshit in the first place. But say it was even true. Well, no, it's... it's uh, it doesn't make sense because it assumes that there's no alternatives to burning coal. And obviously, we could be developing and exporting alternatives to burning coal... I don't know. Did, did you hear last week's episode? Did you leave? I don't know. If this, anyway, did you hear last week's episode, Cam? The point came up, and it came up late in the episode. Well, it came up early in the episode that I'm like, clearly what Australia needs to do is, and this is really, like, you know how all the people are like, you know, your Caleb Bonds and all your right-wing idiots are like, well, there's not much Australia can do because China and America's emissions are so big. I mean, we know by ourselves, what, can, what difference can we make? Well, yeah, cool. So, they, but they, they run that as a, so we shouldn't do anything, as opposed to what the fairly obvious counter to that is which is yeah so we should be trying to change their minds so that they cut more yeah and we don't do that we actually cover for the people who uh we cover for we we, on behalf of the coal lobby who apparently like according to the the figures this week we're not just you know killing off the tourism industry but uh all the kind of like ordinary groceries are are going to be staggeringly expensive now but um apparently the wine industry is doomed now apparently the lyrebird's about to be extinct uh, apparently, like, we are seriously fucking a lot of industries to help the coal industry. But Australia goes out there, we help Bolsonaro run, uh, we try to run arguments so that to, against any action. We claim that the piss-weak version of the Paris Agreement that we've signed up to, which we're not going to meet, but even if we did, it's not enough. And that was certainly, that was before, like, we burned, like, like a fifth of the new 
additional emissions this year come from Australia, like with through the, from the bushfires? Mm. Like our our emissions went down under Labor, and then they axed, then the Libs got in axed the carbon price, and they have they're staying they're not going down anymore. And they're just like, no, no, but that, that we don't have to make them go down. But we do, because this is what happens if we don't. Anyway, the point, the point that I made, so there were two points. One is, yeah, the fundamental thing we should be saying to our politicians, and, which should, and, I, and I don't know how to get this message out, because if it was adequately out, nobody could run the, well, what's China doing line, because we'd have addressed it. Fundamentally, the point is, yes, Australia should be the country out there fighting with other countries to get them to do more. And yes, as part of that, we will have to do more because we can't exactly persuade other countries to do stuff whilst being, like, the highest per capita emitters in the world. In fact, we're even in the top 20 overall emitters. Like, it's quite in quite bonkers. Mm. But, yeah, like, fundamentally, the, the response to that is, yes, our government should be out there fighting for other countries to reduce theirs. We should be making deals to get other countries to do that. We should be, like, using every bit of diplomatic power we have to do that. And then the point that came up towards the end that suddenly clicked was, this is even an argument that Labour can run and take advantage of, like, xenophobia and nationalism. Other countries are screwing you. Other countries are killing off our wildlife. We, the Labour Party, will be out there fighting the other countries to make them cut their admissions. Yeah, we're going to save those koalas. Yeah, we're going to take the fight to them. We'll fight for you against the foreigners who are killing our our environment. Like, there's a whole approach that Labour can take advantage of that asshole since part of Australia and use it for good. Uh, did you catch the Rational Fear video with uh, Tim Minchin that was put out this week about the uh, the bushfire crisis? Yeah. I think that's a, a really good watch if uh, listeners haven't seen it and goes into the sort of caveats that uh, Labor and the Libs have put into various environmental laws over time to avoid... Oh, yeah, like Keating, yeah. Keating putting in the, you know, the, the, the... You can't in any way negatively impact on the Australian economy. Co- the, you know... It, and that like defines so broadly, like if an industry does badly under this, yeah. Oh well, we can't do it. And, and also the, the thing that you know, if other countries aren't doing it, we don't have to do it. But it's like, yeah. If we lead, so we just fight to stop other countries doing it. Like we just do our best to sabotage other countries. Not only if we if we lead the way. All right, let's say we lead the way, and the rest of the world doesn't follow. At least we're leading the way. At least we've done our part. And if we lead the way, it also means that we'll be developing the technology you know and when the rest of the world does eventually have to do something about it then they'll come to us yeah there might even be some money in it well um, as greg um jericho was pointing out last week like there's if we'd kept the carbon price our farmers would be making a huge amount now on carbon credits on the world stage like there's a huge amount of money we'd be actually making out of it right now yeah oh well the farmers are right aren't they yeah no there's no nothing i don't think they're having any difficulties at the moment i think everything's fine don't, I don't remember any... And Cam, remember, when they axed the carbon price, we all got cheap electricity. Yeah, how long did that last? Oh, I mean, don't, wait, don't you have cheap electricity? Are you paying a huge amount of ele- for your electricity? No, well, you see, the funny thing was my electricity prices uh, stayed at about the same because the carbon tax had no impact on them whatsoever. And then they went up when the legislation that was baked in that was going to mean they were going up anyway happened. Oh, yeah. So that's good. Anyway, look, maybe we're catastrophizing and there's no reason to think that this is you know, going to be the end of humanity or anything. It is 100 seconds to midnight. The bearers of unbearable news. Time is almost up until the world is doomed. The hand of this fateful clock has been placed at various positions since its inception more than 70 years ago. But in 2018, 
it was set at two minutes to midnight. The closest since 1953, at the height of the Cold War. Now the Nobel laureate studded panel has moved it 100 seconds before a climate catastrophe. Well, that's not good. It feels like perhaps what we need to be doing is more than the bare minimum, which is all that they're doing at the moment. And that the only way that we're going to get any difference is to basically scream and shout, protest. Look, we, we protested you know, the Vietnam War. We protested the, the um, Iraq War. We protested the work choices. It feels like this is kind of existential and we need to be out there like protesting so much that it becomes politically... That, that even the ALP goes around and, be, and, and it's like, oh, oh, maybe this is popular enough that we should get on board with this. Maybe, maybe we should should argue for all the millions of people who are saying, "Hey, we don't want our kids in gas masks most of the year." It seems like the action that's being taken on climate change by the government is to uh, you know stock up on Mad Max cars. Oh, the action! Has, have you heard all the stuff with Scummo being like, "No, no, uh, adaption," which appears to just mean giving loggers more power to log more of Australian national forests because you know they can't the trees can't burn if they've cut them down actually even that's not true because a large part of these bushfires were also areas where the logging industry just left crap behind like that which they do so even logging the national parks even 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 that argument of what if they what if we cut them down they can't burn that even doesn't work because they do because they just leave them they leave um, crap there but also, it doesn't work, of course, because you know, if you, you remove the trees that actually trap carbon and release oxygen, then you further ex- exacerbate the problem in the first place. Yeah, well, and one of his other things is, you know, we're going to uh, make it easier to do hazard reduction burns. Mm. Mm. Like like the ones that started, you know, that, that, those 183 charges of for that the, the, they like to claim were arson? Most, most of those were people doing hazard reduction burns and starting fires that way. Yeah, but I mean, the real, the proper hazard reduction burning, this, you know, that's done by... Professionals who know what they're the doing. The sparks and embers. Yeah. Well, okay, I was, I was not going to... Professionals who sort of know what they're doing. Professionals who know well, more the, what they're doing than people who write letters to the Australian. The thing with hazard reduction burning is that uh, fire's unpredictable. <laughs> they sort of, they are, when they do do it, they are sort of taking a yes. punt. And that's why they don't really want to do it when, like, that's why there's a very limited window in which they can do it. And the main th- reason why there's not, there are two main reasons why they haven't, well, in fact, it's not even true to say there's not been as much hazard reduction as previously, because actually the numbers of, the amount of hazard reduction keeps, go up, keeps going up. But it's less than they would have liked to do had they more staff and funding and B, the window wasn't shrinking all the time between the wet season and the season where if you, you know, light a match, it'll set off. Everything yeah. goes up. Like, what do these idiots want them to do? Well, I, I guess they don't care. They're just like, what we, look, we don't care what you do as long as you don't in any way inhibit the actions of the fossil fuel industry because they, they are our government. <laughs> I think what they really want them to do is to go back and look at the way that the indigenous people treated the land because they knew what, exactly what they were doing. Now, that's the only thing they knew about, though. Don't worry about anything else in Bruce Pascoe's book. The one thing they knew about was lighting fires. Uh, well, I mean, that is that is totally the message that we'll be hearing from them this week, where, where they're very supportive of the concerns of Indigenous people. But only... For- yeah, we should definitely listen to the Indigenous people just on the one thing which we like. <laughs> only on only on one thing. Yes, yeah. that's right. 
I, you did see that uh, after Dutton tried to refer back Pascoe to the AFP as to whether he was sufficiently Aboriginal or not, um, the AFP came back and basically told them to stop wasting their time. Yeah. That was, um, there's some weird stuff in there, though. I, I saw at one point uh, Josephine Cashman referring to Andrew Bolt as an uncle, as Uncle Bolt, which is very weird. <laughs> just every part of these. Like, I just think being a right winger is a bro- like, you just have to have a broken brain. Mm. I just, there's, it's just. Uh, anyway, so Scummo just intends for us to, I don't know, concrete the bush. And well, if it's all covered over in concrete, then uh, the fire can't get out. No, that's true. I mean, we won't be able to breathe. Like, there'll be other problems. But, I mean, fire. There was, um, I saw in the Philippines some of the, some senators were proposing something similar with the volcano that's just gone up. They're going to put a big wall around it. <laughs> that will work. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I also hear it works for kaiju. You can just, they, they definitely won't be able to just walk through it. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. So uh, look, let's go back quickly to the ALP's other cowardice being uh, the announcement this week that they totally support Australia celebrating its identity on the day that Europeans invaded New South Wales and started the genocide of Indigenous people. I do like that the increasing numbers, of, whether or not they had a chance to talk about it when they couldn't breathe, people are still not forgetting uh, about the horror. And, and we were in Geelong today and they were um, over their Australian Day celebrations for Jan 26th. There were things saying no pride in genocide being, you know, scrawled over the top of them, which is pretty good tag for it, really. Like, how, there are there are a number of issues with Australia Day. Like, I find it, I don't, I don't, even if they moved the date, like, it's the date, it's the fact that we refuse to acknowledge let alone try to make amends for what we did to indigenous people and there's also the fact that australia as a country i would say you can't really you can't really celebrate it while we're like brutalizing refugees in offshore hell camps yeah just for i mean what how how do you celebrate a country that does that shit how does you celebrate a country that starves the poor i think what you're speaking to is sort of encapsulated by the fact that that, you know the change the date campaign has really as the right wing has noticed the change the date has sort of dropped off and that's because People moved on to let's change the country, the the date thing. I mean, that said, we should change the date as well. I'm I'm happy to do all. We of should them. change the date, but I mean that debate's been won. If you look at the uh, like the Australia Day parades versus the Invasion Day rallies, I mean, it's sort of clear who the winner is. Well, except not officially, they're not. We, we haven't officially. Yeah, not won. yet, but it's only a matter of time. Well, well, no. we hang on. I'm not. I'm not copying. Yeah, no, no. Let's let's not be complacent about that. No. And and look, I, I I do think that changing the date is actually part of the other things. It's not the end of its in and of itself. Mm. It's like you know what it is like the marriage equality thing. So the lying assholes like Lyle Shelton will be like, we were promised it was just about marriage and not about anything else. Insofar as the yes campaign pitched it that way that was dumb and a mistake it should always have been about shouldn't have been love is love it should have been equality it is about equality before the law and damn right marriage equality wasn't the end of the 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 process because there are still other areas in which LGBT people don't have equality marriage equality was an important part of moving towards equality but it was not the whole thing likewise changing the date is being presented as it's like you know, if we change the date, that's the win. No, it's a win on the path towards reconciliation and actually addressing what happened because you can't possibly get there whilst still pretending that January 26 is a date to celebrate. But yeah, like I, I, I do think that the date changing is an important thing. It's just it is a step in the direction. It's not the 
destination. I mean, the, the other thing, I mean, with marriage equality, the opposite was true as well. If the vote had come down as no, then that would have been a stepping stone for the Lyle Sheltons towards, you know, further oppression. Yeah, fundamentally, that was the whole, that, that was 100% what they wanted. If they, if they got to, if Australian voters endorsed the government, like specifically in 20, I don't know what year it was, like 2018, what year was it, any of the vote? Anyway, if in, you know, the 21st century Australian voters had endorsed LGBTI people being discriminated against in the law specifically when that specific issue was put to them, then goddamn right, they would have, they would have used that as, um, well, that said, they would have used that to push for exactly the same powers they're push, pushing for anyway. Yeah. So, but they, I think yeah, they, we were like, they could say we have a, more of a mandate. <laughs> yes. But they would have pitched for the same thing. Like, they lost and it, and they're still pitching for it as if as if they didn't lose. It's so bonkers. It's like, if they'd won, they'd have been like, see, this is what the Australian people want. And now it's like, well, the Australian people wanted that thing, but we should get something in return. Like, either way, heads I win, tails you lose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, so, I mean, it's got the date's got to change. But yes, the ALP gutlessly being like, no, nah, it should be January 26 because otherwise the Murdoch Press will write a whole lot of horrible editorials and front page things bashing us and we just, we're not much of a political party. Yeah, God, God forbid that happened. Like, it's well, like, like it's, how much do they think that the cowardice is going to win them favour with News Limited anyway? They just, I think what their strategy is, is placate News Limited as, as much as possible so that when News Limited gets pissed off with the libs, they will turn around and let us win the election. Uh, and, you know, sure, we'll have to give them a lot of the horrible shit that they want, but we'll be in power. Yeah. And, yeah, it's not going to happen now. They're still going to be horrible to us, but they might eventually get sick. Like, the Libs might do something to piss them off, and then they'll turn to us as long as we haven't stood up for anything. Yeah, I don't know how viable a strategy that is. When you look at, you know, the last sort of run of the Libs and Scott Morrison, it hasn't been great. And they copped a little bit of flack. I think it's just a little bit of a taste of what they might get if they, if News Limited didn't get its way every single time. But uh, mm. that seems to have all gone away. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I mean, sorry, no, I don't understand. We've got a fundamental propaganda outfit that controls most of our media. Yes, obviously, they get covered for everything. It is staggering that, that, that Scummo might be able to skate through. You know, because Cam, we had some rain. So, like, currently we can breathe in Melbourne, so and currently you can breathe in in Canberra. Um, in fact, you can breathe really well if you're driving down the road in one of your cars that's got a giant golf ball-sized hole in the front of it. There's, like, lots of lots of air coming through at you. So that's a bit of a Jeremy problem, I assume. That's less of a general comment? No, no, I'm making a point about all the cars that had holes bashed through the windows. I'm oh, right. You, I'm saying say that you, you can breathe really well in, the, in those cars because the air is coming straight through the windshield that's not there anymore. Fair enough. I didn't understand you know, it. I missed... You saw like it bashed through the, the panels, like not just the windows. I, I missed I missed the hail. I didn't in get any. In Canberra? No, in Melbourne. Oh, right. When, but... it, when it hailed here, it just sort of avoided my suburb. It was really... My, my wife drove off just, just in front of it. And missed it completely, and we got it where we are. So, like, yeah, it was very, very uh, localised. I was left waiting for the cool change. But it does seem like, because we can breathe again, people... I don't know what part of the Australian uh, National Parks is going to burn next, but I feel like if we get more days where the cities are unbreathable, maybe it'll switch back. Um, Maybe people at the moment are being complacent and being like, well, look, it's moved on. The summer's been reasonably mild since that period where we you know broke all the records the you know the, the giant cloud of ash in the atmosphere sort of dampened temperatures a bit so i feel like i feel like australians have become re- really complacent about it maybe i mean 
we're sort of getting into the territory where bushfire season's supposed to sort of start. Mm. So I feel like if it gets worse again, that might come back to Scummo. Although Scummo now isn't going to just get on a plane and and piss like they they and they have a line now too. Like they figured out their line. Their line is, "Hey, you know what we should do? Destroy more of the bush." Yeah, that's what. Well, if it's not there, it can't burn. I think <laughs> what I have to believe is that communities that have you know been burnt or have come to you know the brink will have to remember that uh, when the time came for the LNP to step up, they were found very much wanting. Well, even afterwards, if they're like the, the payouts when they're like, oh, okay, we'll give volunteer firefighters up to $6,000. And it turns out you have to have done 10 volunteer firefighting days first. Then after that, you might get up to $300 in a day, but only if your hours that you're fighting fires overlap with your previous work hours and you can prove what yeah. you would have earned. So if you work nine to five, but you're fighting fires from five to nine. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Uh, but I mean, even literally when they... Surely like, the firefighters are going to be like, hang on, that's a real insult. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't see that in the news limited papers. We're not getting any reports of that, but surely it's got to be sinking into people on the ground. Even when they literally turned up, they turned up with nothing. They turned up with empty pockets. Literally, like, they had they had no supplies or anything. Oh, and, ran, and ran away. So they showed up for a photo op, and then when they were, you know, not getting what they wanted, because the woman was like, oh, let me shake your hand if you, you know, promise more money for the firefighters. And he just walked away. And then he gets to lie. Like, again, that's another one of the... The fact that it doesn't matter what the footage shows, they will lie about it. So it's not just the Kangaroo Island thing. It was also where Scummo's on 7.30. He's like, no, no, I'm there to offer comfort. And, you know, I, I, I cop a bit of but because uh, I'm the first politician on the ground, like in that footage. And uh, But, you know, I'm, the, I'm there to offer support. No, we saw the footage. She asked you to help the firefighters and you turned your back on her and walked away. We can see the footage. Stop gaslighting us. And, I mean, the other thing that happened with that is that after those people on the ground were not, you know, genuflecting to Scott Morrison, the right-wing media machine kicked into action and suddenly there was all of this talk about, oh, this is a feral town. Yeah. You had people saying, you know, oh, this town has got like a... There were conspiracy theories about the people that lived in the town. Mm. and Not to mention <laughs> all of the conspiracy theories about arson. But well, I, mean, I was going to say, yeah. so should, should we get on to another one of the things? So obviously... Everything that goes wrong now, the hail, the hail is obviously caused, caused by arsonists. Mm. Um, and clearly the arsonists are responsible for uh, Bridget McKenzie and the Nats uh, shamelessly rorting the sporting grant process. And once again, like, once again, the Libs get to just come out with shameless bullshit and not get called on it. Like, this line that McKenzie came out with, Cash came out with, Scummo came out with, repeatedly to the commercial media being like... Look, we're there to make sure, you know, we don't, women, young girls shouldn't be changing in cars and behind the sheds, and that's why we had to make these grants of half a million bucks to the Mossman Rowing Club and rugby clubs, like, which had no women. And, like, right, it was just, just say, I will speak against the, the thing about the rugby club with no, the no women. I think you've got to, if you want to get, because the, they lost their female rugby team due to a sexism scandal. <laughs> but one of the... Uh, I think one of the issues was that uh, they had no female changing rooms. I think if you need to, if you want to get a female rugby club back, you should probably chuck in some changing rooms for them. How much did that rugby club get? A fair bit. <laughs> Shitload on that, and obviously, and, and Bridget McKenzie now running the. So when when she's caught giving money to a, a shooting club in I don't know near Wangaratta, I think, where where she's actually a member without declaring it. 
which is pretty shonky. Um, she's doing the Matt Canavan defense of, oh, my mum signed me my up. My mum signed me up for it. Even though there's Facebook posts of her signing up herself, <laughs> she's on camera signing up. <laughs> wait, wait. There's literally footage of her signing up. So they did like a photo op when she signed up. I think the issue is that there are two sort of things. She's a patron of the club, but she's also a member. And I think that they're saying that uh, she became, maybe she became a member after these grants were given out, but she was a patron before and maybe her mum had signed her up as a patron. However, that works. What? Either way, she was connected to the club and she should have declared her connection. Yeah. The thing that bothers me though, is so we sort of ended up in this minutiae thing of looking at Bridget McKenzie's specific shooting memberships. But if you go back to the the whole, the wider picture, what was originally done was the rort. Yeah. And huge rorts, like really rich clubs being given huge amounts of money that they clearly didn't need and quite deserving clubs uh, missing out entirely because they weren't politically advantageous to the government. And it was pork barrelling. And then when they're accused of pork barrelling, and I, I think the report makes it quite clear that a lot of these you know, things were a little dodge. But when they're accused of pork barrelling, her line that she comes out with was, no, it was anti-pork barrelling. It was reverse pork barrelling. The opposite... Oh, they, they're just trying to make her heads explode. It was the opposite of pork barrelling. And the reason why it was the opposite was because they weren't giving the money to marginal seats that were liberal or national seats. They were giving money to marginal seats that were Labour seats, which... That's the same thing. You're trying to buy their votes to that's it's that's not different. Thing. Like what? It's it's breathtaking. They they like either think we're no, they just think we're morons because of obviously you know when that that's the people who vote for them. We we it just the amount of no, you didn't see that. Look look at this spiral. No no don't don't remember what you actually saw. Let me tell you what you saw. They're absolutely shameless. It is incredibly galling. It's just the thing of waiting out everything until the next thing. We see that a big difference. So they, they wait. They get to wait them out. Like they, the the comparison with the Ros Kelly thing. Like she had to resign. Mackenzie doesn't seem to be resigning. They just seem to be able to wait it out. And they even if they do resign, they just go to the back bench and then come back. The the only kind of reconciliation that the Libs are happy with is people who've previously been caught doing shonky things coming back to the front bench. There's no consequence. Yeah, the, I don't think I even saw a proposition for her to be resigning as an MP. They were talking about her resigning as a cabinet member. Yeah. and But that was beyond the pale, apparently. So there's no ministerial standards. They can do whatever the hell they like. There's no consequences. The media don't hold them to account because the media are like, well, you know, both sides do it. Well, they wouldn't if you, if, um, no, the ALP wanted a federal ICAC now. So, no, both sides wouldn't do it because the ALP couldn't do it if they were in power and there was a federal ICAC. Like, there is a difference between the parties on this. One ha- is intending there to be an independent body that would stop it, and the other one intends to just keep doing it indefinitely. Like, I would say, like, that, that is not both sides do it and are the same. That is there is actually a profound difference on this very topic. Mm. One of the few. <laughs> One of the few there's a genuine difference for. Which brings us back, I suppose, once again, to, to the ALP's stupid piss week stuff this week, which is the pledge. Tanya Plibersek. Wasn't she our, our, like, our hope other than Ablo? Wasn't yeah, she supposedly. our hope for like a... Yeah, so... Nope. Nope. I, I mean, I don't know why anybody who's supposed to be even vaguely progressive has to go along with this shit. Like, is it that they all just get forced to do it by the right of the party? Did the right of the party tell Tanya Plibersep she had to go out there and say, the children should be reciting a pledge of allegiance? Well, I noticed that when she uh, 
tweeted about this. She did it with a retweet of the Daily Mail. Yeah. So it's sort of, it's clear who they're trying to appeal to with that, but uh, it's not going over very well from looks of her replies. What? You can't out-Tory the Tories. All you do is give them cover to do the same evil shit. The game they're playing is so dumb and it doesn't work. And the other side doesn't do it. The other side doesn't pull this shit. They don't try and pander to Labour voters by doing by trying to out-Labour Labour. Why do the, does Labour think that it'll work trying to outlib the libs? It never does. No, but they'll keep it. They'll keep on trying. Maybe they're going for a record of how many elections they can lose. Oh, we'll be dead by the time. No, okay. So, I can people who can our our listeners, can you come back to us on the Twitters and give us your so at well may we say your suggestions for who we can even hope for taking over the ALP. So is now now Plibersex not in the running. Like if Ablo is rolled, because okay, so say there are huge climate protests. Say it becomes increasingly apparent to people that uh, Australia fundamentally needs to be doing more, and it needs to be pushing for more on the world stage. Like it needs to be pushing more for other, from other countries as well as ourselves, or we're all doomed. So say say that momentum gets running, and Labor decides, okay, we need to roll Albo and put in place somebody who has some credibility on this. It feels like one of the fundamental things that the ALP right does is it, it makes sure that there are no lefties in the party who have any credibility. Um, and, like, the Libs are willing to let theirs... Okay, well, let's be clear about this. Uh, so your Dave Sharma, is in, running in Wentworth, is allowed to make noises about climate change, um, whereas your Matt Keane... The, the, the Environment Minister in New South Wales is not allowed to mention it because Scummer will come out and be like... Matt who? That's right. Matt Keane. Well, hang on, this is what he said. Okay. The New South Wales Minister, Matt Keane, says there are a group of senior Liberals, including federal colleagues, urging your government to adopt stronger climate policies and a commitment not to use the so-called carryover credits to meet Australia's emissions commitments. Will you consider those calls? Matt Keane doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what's going on in the federal cabinet. Most of the federal cabinet wouldn't even know who Matt Keane was. I love that as an own. Ah, oh, so so you think that as Matt Keane thinks we should do something. Well, my cabinet uh, and I are so dumb we don't even know who the New South Wales Environment Minister is. We've never heard of him. That's, ha ha, how own to you that we are too stupid to know who you are. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. I did. Um, I saw on Twitter somebody uh, commenting on that, noting that Matt Keane was involved in I think yeah, a sex I think there was some kind of sexting that, thing that, that was quite prominent in the news. So I, I don't remember it. You'd think they'd know who he was. <laughs> They're all shonky. Look, I yeah. So the Libs will let them. They won't let one with power do it, but they will let a backbencher who has a seat that they want to win do it. But Labor, I think it feels like the Labor right is really worried about there ever being like some kind of actual progressive leader of the ALP and they like to force them into selling out as quickly and as publicly as they possibly can so that they don't have any credibility and we don't have anyone to turn to within the ALP. Are they worried that if there's a progressive enough person to lead the ALP, they might win at an election... And adopt progressive policies. ...and stay in power. And if, if you stay in power in the ALP then you never get to resign into a cushy <laughs> coal lobby job. You have to be stuck being a boring old MP. No, no. no I'm, I'm sure there were plenty of ALP MPs who resigned during the regular years who resigned into cushy coal jobs. I don't have their names 
with me, but I'm willing to bet that they that, that there were ALP MPs who retired and got cushy jobs in the, were connected to their portfolios in the same way as the Libs do it. Like that is 100% a thing that, that both both those parties do. I don't really understand why the ALP right is quite so powerful in the ALP. Um, other than I suppose all the lefties have given up and got sick of being told to buy the ALP right and quit the ALP and join the Greens. Um, but yeah, no, if, at well, may we say if you've got any ideas of who on earth we could even hope for to lead the ALP, because it's clearly not Albo. Turns out that it's not Tanya. I don't know who it could possibly be, who we would have any faith would be an actual decent progressive leader and not run stupid liberal lines for them, arguing their case for them, giving them cover. Like the ALP doing all this shit on coal is massively helping Scummo. Scummo's not under any pressure to do anything about climate change because all of the shit that he's, he wants to do for the coal lobby is echoed by Labor. So mm. where's the pressure? There is none. You need pressure to turn coal into diamonds, Jeremy. <laughs> Which does actually get rid of the coal. Uh, so yes, we do need to have pressure applied in order to get rid of the bloody coal. Uh, well, no, to be fair, they do want to get rid of the coal. Or the, the, the they want to get rid of it fighting... into the air. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They, they will burn it, combine it with oxygen, and turn it into carbon compounds that will then have uh, you know exacerbate the greenhouse effect. We'll be screwed. Jeremy, um, just can I just can I just well may we say one thing? Mm-hmm. One of the stupidest things I've seen in the last few weeks is the line. Oh my goodness. Right, no, no, feel free because I, I, there, there's a tough competition right. for this category. You, I think you'll agree on this one. You know, carbon dioxide is you know a fire, you know, retardant. So what are they complaining about? It's good. We need more of it. This is an argument for why we need to be burning more coal because carbon dioxide will help put out the fires. Um, so do they do they understand that that like carbon dioxide is produced by the fires and didn't put the bloody fires out, did it? No. There's a lot of bad yeah, look, takes out there. At this at this point, like um, the and I think Scott Ludlam was the first person to be doing this. I feel like I was doing it independently, but then I think I also saw Scott sing in hindsight, so maybe I wasn't. But whoever it was, I think uh, the the point of uh, basically responding to everything by blaming arsonists at this point to highlight how absurd it is is probably a reasonable uh, rhetorical device, since people still seem to be coming out with every time anything is posted about action on climate change, there is there are the two dumb liars which have just sunk into the asshole right wing, also barely connected to what's going on mindsets, and yeah, and. We need to burn more of the national forests and arsonists need to be punished more toughly. Neither of which would in any way help. Both of which would make, well, the former would make the problem worse. The latter would have no effect because that's not, we don't have a sudden excess of arsonists. Arsonists are already punished toughly and they're not the sort of people who, like it's not a crime where, you know, a tougher sentence is a deterrence. Like that's not how the arsonist mindset works. That's not what's going on, and there hasn't been an increase, and there's no basis for thinking that, like, even if you stopped that, t- if you stopped every single arsonist, that was less than one percent of the fires. So, wait, sorry, less than one percent of the starting of the fires, and nothing to do with how quickly they all spread. So, like, you could eradicate all the arsonists, and it would have make no difference. Like the fact that we've burned off most of, you know, like a huge chunk of national forest. You know what? We've already done the hazard reduction burn. We burnt the forests. They're gone now. Anyway, yeah, the, the, the absurd blaming of arsonists for everything. I mean, I, I blame arsonists for Brexit. Harry and Meghan, hail. 
Yeah. Petrol prices. I thought it was interesting that... So we saw this huge increase in the number of people talking about arsonists more than I think we saw an increase in arsonists. Yes. I don't know if you saw that uh, someone from QUT did a sort of analysis of the arson emergency hashtag Uh and found that, you know, a massive chunk of them were displaying what looked like automated behaviour, which could mean that they were either bots or just trolls. I think by automated behaviour they mean people tweeting more than you really should. Oh, I think they mean like... It being done automatically sort of thing like like something is posted that it's immediately retweeted more more tw- more retweets than actual specific comments and the comments all being of a <laughs> similar similar tweets coming from different accounts sort yeah of thing. i think but it can also be you know if people are too online it can look the same as that but uh i, I also looked at the arson emergency hashtag and uh it was interesting there was a couple of like random uses of it uh earlier in the fire season that never got picked up by anyone and then on the same day on the same morning without either of them referring to each other there was a a right-wing troll account and also someone from the ipa both simultaneously independently of each other came up with a hashtag arson emergency oh did you see that did you see the ipas um they did a survey about australia Day. going back to sorry i do apologize we did actually have some kind of a broad plan of how things would go into each Mm. other and then we sort of just like Everything, it's become this, you know, Jeremy Beremy chaotic all over the, you know, that kind of, it's just become, I, I apologise, everything seems to make us think of everything else. Because it's all connected, isn't it? Yeah, so the IPA came back and said, uh, they, they came up with this, thing, this survey of like a thousand of their members saying that 75% of them support Australia Day on being on 20, January 26, which is a, I mean, so like... Yes, the IPA has done some research of a thousand of its members, and it turns out that zero percent of Australians are in favour of unions. But also, it's a bit of an own goal because only seventy-five percent of IPA members—that means like twenty-five percent of IPA members support changing the date. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of shocking. I mean, I don't know what's whether there's still twenty-five percent of IPA members, or the IPA has had a sudden twenty-five percent drop off as people suddenly disappeared for mysterious reasons. Oh, did you see the uh, remark about the? The um, you know, the Republicans in in the U.S. Senate are busy blocking, calling any evidence and calling witnesses and and actually hearing any evidence themselves in this supposed trial, uh, and then complaining that they've heard that they're being presented with nothing new. Mm. Like, yeah, and they're blocking everything strictly on party lines, so they're just fudging it. And it was and the line somebody tweeted was like, uh, yeah, Trump could shoot a senator and they would still acquit him fifty three forty seven. Unless he shot a Republican, and then they would acquit him fifty-two forty-seven. <laughs> it doesn't quite work because technically, in order for that joke to work, like presumably, then that means that the first one would have been a Democrat, so it would have had to have been fifty-three forty-six. But so, okay, the math doesn't like either way. There should only be ninety-nine in total. So the number, anyway. But the point, the point being, yes, the Republicans would still vote for him even if he shot one of them, and the only one that they would be down would be the one that he shot. And only if that guy, like, couldn't raise his arm from the gurney yes. as he was being taken out. Like, just bonkers. Anyway, so that was the, yeah, the, the, uh, the, other, the other amusing one I saw was, did you see that actually the bushfires uh, have had a negative effect on another industry? What's that? Uh, not just the industries that aren't the fossil fuel industry, but also... Uh, the fossil fuel industry, BHP, uh, lost some days of uh, productivity because of the bushfires. It was very upsetting. The bush, BHP was reporting uh, that, that it had been it re- really caused them some difficulties. I mean, you've got to feel for them, Cam. Yeah. I mean, climate change can harm the people who are also doing the climate change. I mean, the thing is, 
with the the exception of maybe the fossil fuel industry is the, are the last hangers on, but most of big business thinks that you've got to do something about climate change too. Yeah, because like it's not just going to affect us ordinary plebs; it will affect them as well. You can't make money on a dead planet. <laughs> I mean, they'll try. I mean, is that that, class, that classic cartoon of the, the the person sitting around the campfire in a post-apocalyptic thing and being like, "Yes, we destroyed the world, but for one beautiful moment, we had some good returns for our shareholders." Yeah. Look, I think that we need to basically commit to firing up very seriously. And I know that it's. I, I'm try. I was trying to think what's different about why we can't. You would think that the gas masks in the cities thing, and and look, Melbourne, we only had a brief taste of it, but Canberra they, and Sydney had months. They had, Canberra had weeks, and Sydney had months. I think I don't think Canberra had months, but like big chunks of time where you had to have an air filter to be able to breathe in your home. And you would think that that would be the point at which people would be like, ah, do something about this. Hmm. But because it's sort of wash, it is staggering to me that, that we seem to be letting it go and letting the government say, hey, no, no, we are going to act on climate change by destroying the forests. Adaption is, is acting, acting on climate change. And in fact, our kind of adaption is very much act. To be fair, they are indeed acting on climate change. If they cut down more of the national forests, they will be exacerbating climate change. Yeah. They will be making it worse. They are acting on it. Let's be clear. They are, they are indeed having an effect on the subject. And I was like, why is it that we've previously, like, work choices really got people fired up into the streets. Marriage equality got people fired up into the streets. And I wonder if, in the case of, like, the moratorium marches for Vietnam and work choices, it was there is a specific policy that we want to fight back against. And maybe that is what pushed people into it. They didn't have to keep doing it, except I think they did. Like, I still think it took, a, you know, a process of marches. But I think, I, I wonder if maybe the problem with um, the climate change one is that it feels like it's been a concern and it's been a thing we've been thrashing out for so long that it feels hard to come out. And it feels like any protest we do will look the same as one from five years ago, mm. even though it's... And we know that nothing happened, so what's the point? I guess that's kind of the mindset. And marriage equality... But, I mean, marriage equality took a long time. Like, I remember going to protests for marriage equality back when they were passing, in 2004, when they were passing the horror, horrific amendments to the Marriage Act, which, weirdly enough, didn't have any kind of public vote, to block marriage equality we were doing protests for a very long time before it happened and to the point where it was like we shouldn't still have to be protesting this, this is ridiculous and maybe action on the climate is it's just it's been over such a long time frame and well that point of you know it's been such a long time why are we still doing this it's a long time ago for climate change that, that was passed yeah it's even longer this is something that they've very very charitably you could say they've known they need to do something for 40 years so how do you make this different do you show up in gas masks? Do you make it like, no, it's different now. If you don't have a grand for an air purifier in your home, then good luck breathing in Canberra or Sydney. Do, is that the argument? Like, it's different now. We just burnt like 100 times our national, you know, our, our, what our, I think it's our annual emissions or whatever. Like, it just went up in smoke. It went around the planet and came back to us. It's not dissipated. Like, it's up there trapping heat. Next summer's going to be worse. How, is, it, is there any way that we can get people... And I guess this is the catastrophe thing. Like, they want us to give up and feel that it's hopeless. They want us to be like, nothing we can do. I guess all we can do is try and mitigate yeah. the effects. Jeremy, what have you got against the, the mask filter industry? <laughs> is what they want to say. Like, buy shares in it. Oh, shit. Buy shares in P3 masks. Like, whatever companies are making those, 
you know, hot hot stock tip for well, may we say listeners with you know investment money to burn. I'm sure that's a huge part of it. Although, you know, if you do have investment money to burn, how about subscribing to our Patreon? Because that is definitely a good way to burn. I mean, to spend money wisely and positively in a way that contributes to uh, keeping us all motivated to fight for our lives. Yeah. I mean, I think what Extinction Rebellion were doing is sort of the step in the right direction. Yeah, changing it from just being about broadly climate change to we're fighting extinction. Because we are. Yeah, and, and it's also the tactic of... It's not just a march. It's not just whatever. It's actual disruption. And I think probably there'll have to be maybe a little bit more disruption. There's going to have to be a huge amount. And, and yes, they, uh, they will use the police to beat us up because that's what they did in Melbourne. That's what they did in Brisbane. That's what they're going to continue to do. But, you know, they, they beat up protesters in Hong Kong. I guess we'll just all start getting better at... We'll start going to protest wearing the gas masks. You know how in China where they're using their facial recognition technology and then they try to ban people wearing masks at protests and things? You can't really ban masks when people have to wear them to breathe, even the people not. Like, if everybody's wearing them to breathe, it makes it very hard for you to be like, no, you can't wear them. That's a crime. I'll I'll just say you gave the example of China there, but they made it illegal to wear masks at protests in Victoria as well, didn't they? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, and they've just given the police like assault rifles and so forth as well, and it's scary. But there's a lot of things we can do. Like, I, can I do, can I say something? Yeah, uh, please do. I, I talk too much in this podcast. I don't want to be that guy who I'm literally sitting in an armchair, so I don't want to be the guy commenting from his armchair about what the left needs to do. Dude, I mean, that's podcasts. That's that's every lefty podcast, especially the ones with blokes on them. My my one suggestion for Extinction Rebellion in terms of adjusting their tactics, would be... I'm not sure if the idea of clogging the prison system with activists is necessarily uh, a long-term solution. I don't think they're trying to do that. I think that's just a consequence because the police are charging them for protest. No, that was was part of... They're like, that's good, and then we'll go to court and it will prove how absurd the whole thing is. That was... That was an actual tactic. Not resisting arrest or anything, or... Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think wanting to go to prison is going to help, but I do, I do think, like, at some point... I mean, that's the obvious threat that's going to be put to anybody who's actually disrupting mm. powers of beat, which is what we're going to need to do. So I guess there have to be people who are willing to cop it or we're all doomed. But again, like, there's a massive amount of privilege to be able to do that. Most of us most of us can't afford to do that and, and the consequences of it. Don't glue your hands to the road just because it, oh, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean... There's the ambulances, you know? The ambulances. Like, they can't go around somebody who's, like, glued their foot, you know, hand to the road. It just... It's, wouldn't it really hurt to take your, get your hand off in the end? Yeah, I don't think they're gentle. I don't think the people removing the people's hands are being... But, you know... I'm sure, I'm sure the there's suffragettes some sort of... Did it, the suffragettes got hurt fighting... You know, like, protest that actually makes change does involve going beyond what polite society is willing to accept... I'm more talking about like the shiver down my spine when I think about their hands. Going, yeah, no, no, I don't I'm like it. Just, no. there's, there are other ways to do this, I'm sure, but don't involve me shivering. And I mean, that's important. That's a small quibble. To be fair, Cam, it might be the only way that you ever shiver again. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, that is that is probably the point to wind it up. On your best pun. We'll just wind it up on your best pun. It's not my best pun. There's quality puns throughout. Are there? I don't know. I can't remember if there are any puns. I mean, it's certainly not my best pun ever. It's a, a pun. 
look, I mean, people people come for the puns, and yeah. then they stay for the high speed ranting. Exactly. Somebody put a, somebody did a, a review. Look, if you haven't done an iTunes review and you would like to do an iTunes review because you like the podcast and would like people to find it, please do because we've had a couple of. Of snarky ones objecting to me being a ranter and also last week we got one saying that I speak too fast and yes that is true although most podcast apps do let you slow it down and when I'm listening to this to edit it I do actually I, did, am I the only person who listens to podcasts at like 1.3 to 1.5 speed yes but how, how else do you get through podcasts so they have that system in place Jeremy just because they do have the opposite system where you can play it at half speed doesn't mean you should make that how you have to listen to the podcast I'm just trying to help people make, you don't even have to speed it up to get through your podcast faster no it's it's just I can't I, I, I start off the podcast trying to speak slowly and then as soon as I get excited by something I forget mm. and speak quickly anyway the important thing is that if there is something that you like about the podcast and you'd like people to find it uh, a positive iTunes review would probably you know not hurt um, also, thank you very much to our Patreon subscribers. We have a new Patreon subscriber this week, Chris Cash. Thank you, Chris. Um, and anybody who would like to help the podcast keep going, please come aboard. Any any assistance uh, helps us keep going because there are costs to do with podcasting and supporters help meet those costs. And also, one day I'll be able to buy this other mic stand. So I, I will, it'll be very exciting. So when Cam literally comes to my house... I won't just have to hold the mic in his face. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't try that tonight. I just let you just do it in your house. Cam, what would you like to plug? I've got so many things to plug, Jeremy. Oh, I mean, that's... You have just gone through a very depressing episode of the podcast. So please, cheer yourself up with plugs. You can listen to my podcast with Ben Pobji, Gather Around Me, now in its 11th year Holy at, uh, on iTunes. You can listen to my other podcasts with Luke Robertson and Andrew Saltmarsh, The Hypothetical Institute, which is a podcast about conspiracies. That's on iTunes and Spotify and all of those things. I think we're in year three of that. And you can also listen to my new radio show on 3CR at 4.30pm on Thursdays and streamable from 3cr.org.au. which is That's called, very exciting. Yeah, nah, Passaran. It's a show about fascism. Oh my goodness. And uh, you can also listen back to uh, episodes for a week after they've aired. So if you're getting quick, you can hear our interview with Emmy Bevancy about uh, all sorts of things on 3cr.org.au slash Passaran. You are taking this thing in all the directions it can be taken, Cam. I, I tip my hat microphone thing to you. Thank you. Kudos. Thank you for coming back on to this podcast. Thank you to all our listeners for coming back. Thank you to Robin Gray for the music. Thank you, Alex Lum, for the artwork. And we will see you all the next episode next week. And in the meantime, don't miss the deadline for the contributions to the religious discrimination bill. Because Jeremy will Please. be checking up on you all. Well, no, make sure you check on, on Cam. Everybody push Cam, and then, then Cam will push other people. It can be like one of those Facebook things where... where you know, if you if you don't name the sun correctly, you have to post it on your wall. It's like that, but as you do your contribution, you tag somebody else who has to also uh, let the government know that they would rather, you know, religious fundamentalists didn't get to control our lives. Yeah. See ya. See ya.
Podcast.